You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Japan, Quiet Life. On the line, I have Rob. Hey, hey, hi. Boys. John. Hello. And Kyle. Hello there. Quiet Life is the third studio album by the English New Wave band Japan. It was first released on the 20th of December, 1979 on Hanson Record Label. The producer was John Punter and Simon Napier-Bell. And the genre is art pop and synth pop. I'm going to read from the book, Gareth Thompson. With the UK unleashing an influential wave of synth pop acts, Japan's transition from glam rock to trendy art house was a revelation. The band's third LP catches the new wave of romanticism perfectly and exposes David Sylvian as a singer of some stature. Sylvian's voice attains a sultry gravitas here that drew strong comparisons with Brian Ferry, while the vocalist's hazy pouting on the cover gained him an iconic clout. With a pair of overlooked recordings under their belt, the band as a whole were eager for attention. The interplay of the keyboards and silky guitar chords are almost incoherent compared to the throbbing fretless bass. If anyone could remember the instrument sounding this sexy uh, in a while, they were not letting on. Steve Jansen remained subtle and sympathetic on percussion, while uh, while Sylvian's dark, idyllic warbles are a dream. The opening title track and equally catchy Fall in Love With Me seemed to set the stage for an album of outrageously commercialidity. I don't think that's a real word. I don't think that's real either. Yet the doomed piano on despair really offers a fair summation of proceedings. Melancholy and meditative, quiet life presents itself as a challenging listen. A stark rendering of Lou Reed's All Tomorrow's Party fits both snugly and smugly along Sylvian's own compositions, but it is the lengthy workouts on In Vogue and the other side of life that indicate the experimental path Sylvian would shortly leave his band along. Back then, though, Japan were pop stars at last. All right, what do we think of Japan, Quiet Life? Great record. Yeah. Surprising record. Never listened to it before. I thought Same. it was. I thought it was cool. I thought it was very yeah. Depeche Mode, as uh, all other new. Ro- what, what was it called? Romanticism. New, romantic. new romantics. Yeah, yeah. The uh, new romantics. And I feel like I, I'm not familiar enough with uh, maybe Depeche Mode and some of those other bands to know, you know, who was the innovator. But this feels very much in line with uh, all those other bands. It also, uh, I yeah. Like, I had to look up. I had to look up when Duran Duran formed after listening to this. Like, dude, same seventy eight. Well, but their first album was 81. Yeah. Yeah, but they were 
so so they saw Japan and were yeah. like, hey, we can do this better. And they did. <laughs> sure did, though. They sure as shit did. Kyle, I see your face. But go ahead. What do you have to say? Oh, uh, you, you 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 prefer Japan no, I, I to, like uh, to hear Rob. I like to listen to Rob. Get out of here. And get out of here. Rob, you're you're putting words <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> I think I think Silent Laban and the crew fucking heard this record. And I th- I agree with you. I think they said uh we can make a we can make something like this but way more successful and they did. Well, and they straight up stole riffs from Quiet Life for Rio. I mean, that that little is like right from Quiet yep. Life. And and as Rich was saying was, these guys are lumped in with the new romantics, but I don't think that they well, they they actually have, have stated that they don't want to be lumped in with that, that they were aesthetically not new romantics, like they were always doing the sort of androgynous sexuality and uh a bit of the effete dandy clothing, but not so much as being they weren't using it as um as a frontispiece, kind of the way that like Duran Duran and Adam Ant and those guys were. What well, a, you know, what a new romantic thing to say, though. Right. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> so the, I was always a pirate. They, <laughs> they were they were copying off of Bowie. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, the, the history of these albums is everyone steals from everybody else. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and fault Duran Duran for hearing some stuff in here. Uh, I will say that Duran Duran's basis is much better than what this uh, this fellow is putting down. Excuse um, me. This uh, fretless. Yeah. No, this this yeah. This bass work is quite good. Fretless bass, dude. Not a historian. <laughs> um, did anyone listen to their first couple records? I didn't. I, I yeah. I, uh, Kyle, I I listened to a select few songs from both of them just to try to get a vibe because I was curious because I like glam rock and I like their influence mm-hmm. like New York Dolls, Lou Reed, uh, David Bowie. Every other glam rock band is better in my opinion. Okay, that seemed yeah. to be the critical consensus, but it, I you know it, it did seem to be, be well. that they couldn't find their footing. It does sound a bit like Mott the Hoople. And David, you know, a, a bit of rip on uh, David Bowie and some Roxy music. It, it's not, I won't say it's bad though. It's, it, it definitely just does not hit the same way that this album does. This album feels completely different. It's, it's a direction that he lowers his voice. He's got that baritone voice yeah. that he, he's presenting in this material that he, he tries to sing in an upper register. Um, and it doesn't have as much of the the synth elements going on. So this is definitely a stretching for them. It's yeah, the the vocal the, the vocals on the first two albums are not only way different from this, but also I think kind of at least like the four or five songs I heard, the worst part of the tracks. Yeah. It's just kind of like weak and like the 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 the, the band was like the, the 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 and again, I haven't heard the full albums, but the tracks I heard the band was playing like fine, but kind of forgettable, like New York Dolls style, like glam rock and roll. And then his vocals are just kind of like nasally and weak. So this okay. is definitely a step forward for them. So Giorgio Moroder showing up again, again right? But yeah. he, he's on one song. Yeah. <laughs> that song, Rob, since it sounds like you're not super sold on the album. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
I'm just so excited to talk about Duran Duran, guys. And it's like, there's years, there's years I have to wait before we get to do that. And, you know, you're talking about this fella's uh, singing, like it wasn't so hot, like back when he was, you know, doing the more glam stuff. And now it's this sultry baritone. But you know what? Simon LeBond, he has the highs and the lows, man. He's got all of the range. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm walking away from this. You know, like we, Earlier, Duran Duran's first album came out in 81. So we're saying, oh, yeah, Duran Duran heard this and then ran with it. But these guys just heard low and then ran with it. So, so, so really, I love low and I, I enjoy Duran Duran's early 80s stuff. And this kind of stepping stone in the middle may have been crucial for Duran Duran, but it's not necessarily crucial for me. Okay. So I was shocked at uh, all the critics calling them a Roxy Music knockoff with this record. I, heard I hear a lot some of Roxy. I, I can actually, I, I can hear a lot of it um, in, in, in this. Um, like Avalon, maybe? No, earlier Roxy. Music. Not, the first, no. not the first two records. Yeah. Yeah. Fall in love with me very much. It's it's very up tempo. Um, and then the, the baritone. Uh, uh, crooning on in vogue is so brian ferry it's very brian ferry it does have a yeah and it has that edge it has a little bit of a chaotic edge minor chords seventh chords that you know roxy like to play around with you know what the roxy's fun i don't (laughs) think like this band is unfun but i think that that you're right but they're not fun like roxy part of the whole appeal to me is is the fun of it like like They've got the sound. I, I don't know. Ro- Roxy Music, it's it, it, it's like they were trying to do... Well, they, they, they got John Hunter, who is Roxy's producer. Like They're going for the Roxy sound. And I think on certain songs, they're, they're getting that sonic quality, but it's like they forgot to make it fun, at least for me. I think, I think the early Roxy stuff is a blast. No, it's it's true, and we're right now we're listening to Despair, track three. <laughs> yeah, we are. I will say uh, that I was surprised by this track because I thought, oh, here we go. What's this going to be? This non, you know, sort of a new romantic, drowsy Joy Division uh, sort of song, and I ended up really liking it. Um, there's a lot of things that I've listened to recently recently uh gore club and like uh the angelo uh balmentia stuff from twin peaks and and this sort of like slow hypnotic dark jazz echo uh, thing was actually working for me and they they present that on a couple of these songs uh where it has this sort of so somber and echoey uh elements that i haven't really heard in a lot of the you know, pop music that we've been doing. And I don't know if Duran Duran really goes there in, in, in those uh, places. I also love Despair Birch. And I, I felt like you, when it first came on, I was like, here we go. But um, I definitely got vibes of Rob, the chauffeur. Oh, yeah. Bear. For these uh, French lyrics. They're, no, quite They're quite good. It's uh, quietly now. Don't disturb them. Uh, these are the people who live like that, the artists of tomorrow in pleasant despair. 
that's that's really good. It's excellent. <laughs> I love this song. I yeah. like the uh, the drums, which are I think a preset from Grandma's organ. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, on, for sure. On, on what what song? Okay. On despair. It, it's despair. despair. It's like your. It's like the living room organ preset drum. Yeah, I hear that. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. There's. <laughs> there's that organ. Grandma's house. <laughs> Ended this album to be tracked differently. Oh, and if you go by their tracking, it kind of thematically lines up where you put all the increasing, like, dark synth I don't know what you want to call it. Like, uh, there's a there's a certain almost like a half of the album to three quarters of the album is this sort of eerie, sterile, vague menace, uh, in a lot of the songs, which is great. Like, they actually do it really well. Despair's great. Um, but despair was intended to actually be the sixth song out of the songs on the album, not the uh, third, third track. Yeah. Yeah. So if you mix it up a bit with like despair going into invoke, going into Halloween, uh, that was supposed to be the end of the album. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Hmm. That's in- interesting. Uh, yeah. I think so I the studio like- maybe rearranged the track order or yeah, I think with Marauder producing quiet life and quiet life kind of having a lot of the, I think it's the best song on the album. And of it course is. it's the title track. They threw that on the front. Quiet life was actually intended to sort of be the push to go into the second sort of theme. So they were going to start yeah. out with all tomorrow's parties and then fall in love with me and then alien and then quiet life. And then the second half, which would have been like the other side of life and despair and going on. So it's exactly like low where they, he sort of split the sides. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. But they didn't. They just kind of mixed them all around and it kind of works. Yeah. No, I think so. Um, I also got some vibes on, uh, what was that? Alien. I got a little Oingo Boingo. Alien. Yeah. Alien. It's got that super bizarre bass line. Oh, those, just... those friendly bass woobles. Yeah. <laughs> This, this is just new religion. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It just makes me mad. <laughs> wobble, wobble. Wobble, uh, wobble. Now, yeah. listen on this if you can hear the baritone croon of, of Roxy music uh, because okay. it's, it's so Brian Ferry. I mean, and, and I wouldn't say that necessarily, but it's just his voice from the first, his earlier, and then. I think he really picked up on what Roxy was doing and he, he sort of imitate that. I mean, you imitate other artists if, if to what you're trying to do. And I think, uh, yeah, he did pick up on that sort of the song. You're with his, uh, I was in vogue, right? The end of the end yeah. of side one is ends with in vogue. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. the most rock music 
style. It sounds like a James Bond song. Yes, I was going to say that. Thanks, John. Oh, yeah. sorry. It's got that sexy, like, mystique. <laughs> you know, uh, kill. Yeah. Kill. <laughs> it is interesting to hear them and the new romantics and, and just like how intertwined that that is. That's very Roxy right there. That little turnaround. Sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's... I hear that, but I don't know how to describe where it was. It was like somewhere in the song. <laughs> yeah, it, it well done. That, uh, the title of the song, The Love's in Vogue. And then you flip. Yeah. Yeah. Very fairy. Very fairy. Very fairy. <laughs> so very fairy. <laughs> Yeah, they, the name Japan actually was intended uh, to be temporary. They just picked it because they were like, oh, we'll, we'll find a better name later. Nope. It became permanent. <laughs> and then they got big in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> right, on Hanza Records. I don't know if Hanza is a Japanese record label, but it sounds Japanese. Hanza? Hanza is German. Oh, nope, it's German. Yeah, sorry. I will say that uh, the sales of this were pretty slow. It makes sense since that it was a third album. It wasn't like a, you know, no one was really, I don't think, chomping at the bit for the New Japan record, but it did do well. And um, it was later certified gold and sold over 100,000 copies. So, yeah, it didn't, uh, it didn't start picking up steam until some comp, I think. Yep on it and then the yeah yeah they started picking up um yeah obviously when all those other new romantics bands uh came out it's it's strange because i feel like it's a little bit like roxy music in that way where you know you're you kind of have a little bit of an island of your of yourself and then all of a sudden all these other bands or slade we talked about slade how they were just rocking out and all of a sudden oh there's a bunch of glam rock uh that's happening and they get invited sort of back into the fold of uh, popular music. Well, wasn't the producer on this one, someone who produced Slade as well? Like John Punter. Yeah. Uh, Roxy. I think Punter also did Slade later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at early in this band's career, they decided to choose stage names <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they chose stage names that were very, very similar to the names of, uh, of New York dolls, which, uh, made their their management very concerned uh, <laughs> like uh so like uh basically brothers david bat and stephen bat became david sylvian and stephen jansen like uh david uh johansson and sylvian sylvian mm. <laughs> i don't know why they just the zombies names. right why not <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things about the band Japan that I just don't quite understand. Like what? Mo- uh, I guess settling on the name Japan when it was a placeholder name. I think it's a strange name for uh, a bunch of Anglophiles. Then and then uh, being so inspired by the New York Dolls that you make your own names very similar to members of the New York Dolls is kind of like where's the where's the foresight there? Hmm. You know, like why not? Sure. You're inspired. Everyone's inspired, but isn't the goal to be your own thing. And eventually they did become their own thing because, you know, this album quiet life 
is whether they like it or not is very proto new romantic. They kind of are at least partially responsible for a subgenre of new wave, you know, whether they want to associate with that or not. Enough bands were inspired by this that they took this sound and kind of ran with it. And I just think it's weird that this, I don't know. It's just, I'm just being nitpicky. I, I just think it's weird that they settled on a placeholder name and then named themselves in names that sounded very similar to an already famous band. It's kind of like, what's your, what's your, what's your long game here? Yeah. You know, I think it, some of those bands though, I feel like they just grasp at, um, I, and maybe I don't know enough about the, the band history from, you know, the research I did, but it does feel like sometimes you're a band and you are just grasping for an identity. I mean, the, yeah there there's movements flowing in and out of uh your your spectrum depending on your accessibility to um a different music going to see live shows what's in your area especially at this time where you, you know you can't see or 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 experience it all and so i think they were excited by glam rock it, it provided them with something like that and then they just and david bowie and they decided to do something a bit different um on this album because they because of the the direction of the producers um and giorgio uh Reuter. uh so I, I i understand you know making your own you know, unique glam rock identity i think would be one of the most fun parts about starting a band <laughs> i want to hear your glam rock identity now I, you know it's not going to be laved smelly <laughs> <laughs> i guarantee it's, gonna be, it's not going to be snark boland <laughs> i kind of like snark boland. <laughs> <laughs> like twitter handle yeah i was gonna say <laughs> I love how you're That's, you're you really know, fixated that, on this. <laughs> what's a fucking poser move, bro? <laughs> surprised by this record i'm not a big duran duran fan we'll see if that changes i i just never oh, got into them depeche mode uh i mean it i didn't dislike no don't don't get me wrong i'm not a like a i'm not a hater i i like that music it's just that i never it's never uh those aren't bands that i just you know went out bought albums and collected and and listened to over and over so i'm i'm really curious to explore more of this new romantic stuff. This one, what, were you making that with chicks and driving around <laughs> in cool cars or something? Yeah. Mr. Tough Dur guy. Duran and Depeche Mode are like <laughs> two of my favorite bands. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was, I mean, I just leaned on the clash, the cramps side of, you know, the punk rock at, at the time. It's just, you know, it was just a different, uh, 
You do own a motorcycle that runs. I do own a motorcycle. You, you were always too cool for this stuff. Hey, Rob, don't you own a motorcycle? It never ran. And I sold it. It, it, it ended up in buckets and parts and sold it to some kid. It was his problem then. John, do you still have your motorcycle? No, I sold mine. <laughs> I, mine did run, though. <laughs> Remember that year that everyone we know got motorcycles? <laughs> yeah, I moved down here, and I brought my motorcycle, and then everybody got rid of their motorcycle, and <laughs> it was only me. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say, after this, uh, Karn was, uh, became a sought-after music- session musician, worked with artists Gary Newman, Kate Bush, Joan uh, Armentrading, and Robert Dean went on to work with, again, Gary Newman and Sh- uh, Sinead O'Connor. So I thought so, it was... Uh, Mick Karn is a bass player, and Robert Dean is a, a guitar. Is that correct? Yes. But do you know what Robert Dean is doing now? I don't. He's an ornithologist in Costa Rica. Is he? Whoa! Oh, shit. Whoa. So if you want to check out some sweet birds and listen to some hot licks. Uh, I do have a Sylvian comment or a quote that says, there's a period going past at the moment that we may make us, that may make us look though we're in fashion. In another interview, he stated, I don't like to be associated with them. Speaking about the new romantics, the attitudes are so very different. Of Japan's fashion sense, Sylvia said, for them, mm. fancy dress is a costume, but ours is a way of life. We look at the and dress romantic thing he could say this way every day. <laughs> that, uh, you you just cemented ugh. yourself in in new romantic le- legacy. Um, how does everybody feel about all tomorrow's parties? I prefer Velvet Underground. I like the, I, I I like the cover. Do you honestly? Okay. I'm into it. Yeah. I thought it was okay, but I thought it was pretty lackluster. When someone said uh, smugly they played this, I thought that was that was kind of a spot on. <laughs> I will say... Yeah. The, smartly and smugly. <laughs> yeah, smartly, smugly. I will say the one thing it lacks that all Tomorrow's Parties really needs to have is that... Nico? Well... John Cale? That would help. All that would help. <laughs> is that strong... A tremolo that is just pulsating throughout the the song, and I felt like they could have done that electronically. And they just chose to go in a very soft uh, uh, direction. It yeah. almost sounds like a Christmas song. It does. Oh, dude, it totally does. <laughs> Here's the new old thing. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Put this on a, on a Christmas mix and see if anyone notices. If no one would notice. All tomorrow parties. Yeah, I can't see anything. <laughs> uh, it's like that Supergrass song that just makes me think it's a Christmas song. Yeah, and that that and that one seal song that also I think is a Christmas song. <laughs> you think "Kiss from a Rose" sounds like a Christmas song? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear it either. But <laughs> sure. 
Rob, I think uh, we saw we saw Batman Forever in the theater together uh, in 1995. Did. <laughs> and we were glad. It was we were great. grateful. <laughs> uh, what do we think of this album? Do we want to go around? I feel like we should go around. What do you think, Kyle? Great record. Love the cover. Great record. That's a positive? Me? He said he loved it. Positive. Okay. Great. (laughs) Neutral for me, boss. Uh, I don't dislike this record. I I wouldn't tune away from it if it was put on. But I would either listen to... I would rather either listen to the bands that inspired Japan or the bands that Japan inspired than Japan themselves. <laughs> yeah, makes I'm sense. Gonna, I'm gonna neutral as well, backing Ben's comments. Um, when I, you know, when you're listening to albums for this project, like a lot of times you're just sitting down, you're picking up the headphones, and you don't know what's going to come through the cans. And Quiet Life came through, and I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. You know, it's a new kind of sound. I haven't really heard kind of a synth pop. Uh, album so far too much and you know oh it sounds like a lot of things that are you know going to be coming in the future a lot of the, the new wave and new romantic duran duran kind of sound i'm like oh I, I like that but it wasn't enough to hold me and definitely not in the track order the way it ended up i don't know if i would like it better if it were resequenced but probably not a lot of the songs were just too sterile and went on for too long for what i think they were trying to achieve hmm. um so i just got to go neutral yeah, I I think I might have liked it better had they sequenced had they kept with the uh the original sequencing, but mostly I think I would have liked it a lot better had uh, Marauder done the entire uh, yeah. record. I I mean, okay, I agree with like that. Like produ- produ- production-wise, Quiet Life is just mwah, that is a that is the standout. But no, I they definitely like, <laughs> some of my favorite bands definitely uh Took more than a couple of pages out of uh, out of this book. A couple bites, yeah, Uh, yeah. So I'm still going neutral. Uh, I I I won't go back and and listen to it. Um, I I I would recommend Duran Duran over Japan, unless like someone was like, you know, really wanted like to dig, or if if someone was asking for something just a little bit deeper than the surface level of new romanticism that I know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Neutral. Yeah. I'll go positive on this. I was, uh, I was waning between like neutral positive, but there's, there's just something a little interesting about each song. Um, yeah, we're listening to alien right now and there's just like these little touches that, that happen with, um, yeah, that fretless bass and, and, and what they're doing with horns and uh, synth sound. I do agree if Giorgio uh, Moroder would have done at least like one other song, maybe two other songs, I mean, that would have put it over the top. Doing just one song, it gives you a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you say, blue balls or something. It's, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it hypes yeah. you up so much and then you're thinking, yeah. Uh, eh. You know, it, it does carry through, but it does, uh, there is a bit of a, a weight on one side that, uh, that holds up a, a lot of the album. Um, it's front loaded. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, what, uh, what Oingo Boingo song is this? Uh, Th- this is not a party where people know your name. What's the name of that song? 
Uh, stay. Is it stay? Yeah. That's that's what this reminded me. That's what Alien reminded me of. Yeah. Are we getting any adamant or Adam and the ants? Speaking yeah. of new romantic boy army. Pretty sure I saw some Adam and the ants in there. We're only getting Gary Newman. We're not getting Tubway Army. Or is it Tubeway? It's Tubeway, bro. I thought it was Tubway. You're thinking of Subway. All about, <laughs> I'm thinking about Tubway. Are you talking about Adam? <laughs> Where's my Chumba Wumba? <laughs> Stand and Deliver is a, fun, is a fun record. I don't know if it's a, it's a great record, but at least it's really fun. So if we get that one, I'd be pumped. All right, next time we'll be talking about Marianne Faithful, Broken English. All right, thanks, y'all. This morning, Espoir à créer